0: Hey, new series today. We're starting, um, We Are Better Together. It's going to come right up there in just a second. Give those guys a moment. Um, our scriptural inspiration for this Better Together series, I'm taking from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. That says this, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You're also God's building. Now, we're going to dig into that, and in, in, in not particularly this week. I kind of want to just set it out there and, and maybe let you guys uh, hang on it for just a couple of weeks and, and kind of dig into it yourself. Um, I will be revisiting that, but not this morning. So, you're just going to have to trust me that it's a great passage. It's a great passage. Um, now, if this is our passage as co workers, we deserve to know who we're working beside. Would you agree? Right? Um, if I'm going to work beside somebody, I want to know if they're a bum. I, I mean, you remember in school where you had the team projects and you realized that you're the one that was going to have to do all the work and you thought, wow, who made this decision? Or you were lucky like me and you got on a team when you knew somebody else was going to do all the work. <laughs> yes. And, and you got an A and you did nothing. Now, even deeper though, you, you should know my name and, and I should know your name. Um, but, but past that, we should know about each other. Right. Again, we should know what our strengths, what our weaknesses are, so that we can help cover one another, so that we're not surprised. We, uh, there's a phrase, we need to know what makes each other tick, and we also need to know what makes each other explode. Right. We, we kind of got to know both. Um, some of you got married, and you never really dug into that, and you found out what makes your spouse explode. And that would have been, that was probably a fun afternoon and a long night. Um, There's a song a while back, um, Johnny Johnny Cash, one of my very, very favorite singers in the whole wide world, A Boy Named Sue. Anybody raise your hand you remember A Boy Named Sue. Now, apparently this man named his boy Sue in order to make a man out of him. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of the words, and I think that was the gist of it. Um, I want to show you a song. I'm going to show you the lyrics of, a, of an updated version of that song. And I have a feeling that this updated version by a band by the name of, of Everclear, I have a, a feeling that this updated version was probably more real than Johnny Cash's version. I mean, I can't imagine, you know, in the song um, Boy Named Sue, you never heard about the boy having to go to counseling. But you know he did. I mean, you know he did, right? I mean, his name is Sue. Come on. So here's the updated version. This is uh, Everclear. Go ahead. Um, Father of mine, tell me where have you been? You know I just closed my eyes. My whole world disappeared. Father of mine, take me back to the day when I was still your golden boy before you went away. I remember the blue skies walking the block. I loved it when you held me high. I loved to hear you talk. You would take me to the movie. You would take me to the beach. You would take me to a place inside that's so hard to reach. Father of mine, tell me, where did you go? You had the whole world inside your hand, but you didn't seem to know. Father of mine, tell me, what do you see when you look back at your wasted life and you you don't see me? And then the the chorus, I think that's what it's called, a refrain or some crazy musical word. Daddy gave me a name, my dad gave me a name, and then he walked away. Daddy gave me a name, then he walked away, my dad gave me a name. And then the haunting lines near the end of the song, I will never be safe. I'll never be sane. I'll always be weird inside. I'll always be lame. Now maybe in your life it wasn't your dad. Maybe it wasn't your parents. Maybe it was just the world, right, and they gave you a name. They gave you a name that that wasn't what mom and dad gave you. Like mom and dad gave you Tom, Joe, Jerry, But then you started going to school and the kids weren't real sharp so they kind of look at you and they came up with really creative names for you, right? Like Fatty and Four Eyes, right? And then a little while later on as you went to school they kind of added your character into the names that they would call you and they started calling you maybe Cheater or Liar or Thief. A lot of names we've given each other. Stupid. And then later on the, the, the names almost become prophetic, Right? We, we take on that identity, and, and, and it becomes um, an adjective. It, it describes us, like ne'er-do-well and loser. And so, again, for, for many of us, maybe it wasn't a, a mom or dad that, that did this, but um, the world gives us names, and, they, they, and these names take on a life of their own. We recognize this and we write beautiful poetry to disarm the power of people's names, right? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But that's not true, right? We all know that. Names hurt and they, they hurt deeply. They, they cut. And I'm not sure which hurts more, the undeserved names or the ones that we deserve. And you kind of know that. Like I was in seventh grade and I was taking a sailing class. I loved the ocean. I thought, "Wow, well, this is going to be awesome. And I knew a lot about the ocean. I knew about boats and the professor, the teacher, sorry. He says something about how do you know, what do you call a boat left and right? And I piped up, well, port, because that's four letters and left and, you know, And and the popular kid in class goes, thank you, Joe Popeye. I never said another word in class. I promise you, I never said another word in that class. I felt this... And luckily the name didn't stick because I, you know, I, I don't know why, but I still remember I was Joe Popeye. That's, that's an awesome, awesome name. Or maybe the name was deserved, right? You did something. Maybe it was in first grade and, you, and they were still talking about it in ninth grade. Oh, that's the kid that wet himself. He's the, he's the bed wetter. He's the... He's this, he's that, and, and these names. And they, they do, they shape us. They shape us. We, we begin to take on that identity almost. Um, that name sticks. And it's how people will view you and how you'll view yourself, unless somebody, and until somebody can intervene and change your name. You remember school prophecies? Do right. you remember these? I, I, I checked this out. I, I went back, my wife and I, yesterday. Looking through the senior prophecies of my senior year, and you know, looking at all that stuff, and it, it was just silly. Um, but but you got to understand, these weren't really necessarily prophecies, right? They were basically um, based on what has transpired so far, based on what we've seen in these people's lives so far. Um, this person will most likely succeed and this person will least likely (laughs) succeed and we didn't have that other one but but you kind of got the idea that if you weren't on the yearbook and you weren't on the favorites page you were a least likely you just you just kind of knew it it's like wow it would have been nice to be a most likely to be you know right right up there and your picture's taken with another beautiful person and mm. In Genesis chapter 49, you've got your Bible. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in Genesis chapter 49. But a guy named Jacob, who, who earlier in chapter 32, earlier in his life, he gets his name changed from Jacob to Israel. We're going to talk about that this morning. But right at this point, his name is Israel, and he's going to bless his 12 sons. Right, and, and, and if you're new to the whole Bible, new to this kind of church thing, uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, they're, they're what's called the patriarchs of our, our faith. And if you look in your Bible, Genesis, starting chapter 12 all the way through the end of the chapter 50, the, those chapters are the stories of Abraham, Isaac, uh, Jacob, who becomes Israel, and Joseph. This is just if you're new to this whole thing, you're like, where what is the world guy talking about? Right. So, chapter 49, verses 1 to 27, he's going to um, bless his sons... And and I believe this is in the first recorded history, uh, the most likely. This is the class favorites. This is, this is the favorites page. Watch this. I'm going to start in verse uh, 1. Um, Then Jacob called his sons and said, Gather around me so I can tell you what will happen in the days to come. Now understand again, I'm going to point this out. This isn't 100% prophecy. This is literally I've seen your lives, my boys, so far. And, And look, if you don't make some choices, some better choices, this is what your future looks like. So again, it's not... Uh, 100% prophecy, but it, there is a little bit of that. God has, is speaking through Jacob about their future, and these boys better listen, or this is right. This is what's going to happen. So he says, "Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob." Now you're going to find out very soon that Jacob, when he was Jacob, he was a deceiver. He was a cheat. In fact, that's what the name means, right? So he's literally saying, uh, "Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob." Though you sons who were once like me, you were stupid. You made bad choices, right? You are you Jacob-like. That's what sons of means in the Bible. You are Jacob-like. But listen to your father, Israel, who's now Israel-like, right? Israel-like, okay? Um, he starts with his oldest son, uh, Reuben, in verse three. He says, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor and excelling in power you should have been receiving everything right now birthright blessing the whole nine yards Um, but reuben i've seen your character and you've got some major flaws and unless and until somebody comes in and changes your name let me tell you what your future looks like turbulent as the waters you will no longer excel for you went up on your father's bed and onto my couch and defiled it. He slept with one of his father's concubines. He slept with his stepbrother's mom. Okay, so talk about family dynamics. Thanksgiving, awkward, right? <laughs> Jacob remembers this. And so immediately you get the idea that Reuben isn't going to get the birthright or the blessing, he's been dismissed. Not entirely. But in the next two, Simeon and Levi, they're dealt with together. Watch this. This is in verse 5 and 6. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly. Don't hang out with these two guys because they're dangerous. You will collect collateral damage if you hang out with these two. Why? What was Jacob talking about? Listen to this. For they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they please. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. A couple things to point out. If you've read chapter 34, you read about the rape of the boy's sister Dinah. And these two brothers decide that they're going to get revenge. And they go into the city and you're going to just have to go home and read it because it's like the worst kind of treachery that you can imagine. Through this horrible, horrible treachery, these two guys slaughter the entire town, right? They even hamstring the oxen just so that people driving, <laughs> walking by on their horse, I don't know how they traveled, I'm um, on their donkey. Um, they would see these, these and, and you can imagine cattle who have been hamstringed, they're, they're screaming. If you've ever heard of a cattle scream out in pain, and they're not dying. It's very slow, painful. And it's like this Simeon and Levi wanted to show everybody, don't mess with us. And notice, again, they're not cursed. Jacob doesn't curse them. He curses their anger. Right? And dispersed. If you keep reading, when they finally entered the promised land, the tribe of Simeon is the smallest. Right? And as you continue to read, the tribe of Simeon basically disappears. It gets kind of absorbed into the tribe, the territory of Judah, dispersed. Levi, as priests, they don't get land, so they get dispersed. But here's, here's the killer thing. Again, it's not strictly policy. If you read about Zebulon, it says that his territory will touch the sea. Well, it never did. So, the, again, these, these aren't 100% this is what will happen to you guys, but this is what it looks like going to happen to you guys. And even Le- Levi, Levi must have listened. I, I, I don't know because you know what happens eventually with Levi. He turns his sword over to God, right? The, 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 uh, Moses is up on the mountain and he takes too long and the people kind of freak out and they, they, they build a, out of all their gold and silver. They construct this, this big old bull, which was a, a god from Egypt that they were used to. And they began to worship him, and God came down and got so mad, he sent somebody through the tribe to kill those who weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing. And the Levites are the ones that went through the crowd, and they killed a lot of their brethren. And so God said, you have obeyed me. You have used your sword for me, not for revenge for yourself. And he elevates them but they're still dispersed now here's the point two points for two different groups of people here this morning first group of people the most likely you kind of know who you are your status means nothing to god but god can change that right a lot of you I, i'm going to use some words here a lot of you're going to be uncomfortable with this wasp right we got a room full of white anglo-saxon males here white anglo-saxon protestants excuse me Maybe you've taken on the title, and you see yourself as business owner, CEO, CFO, well-insured, two or three-car garage. That's kind of your. That's kind of maybe even not your name, but but you kind of like that. And you see yourself as, yeah, I'm the one that has the three-car garage and the. And, 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 that. and I'm, I'm, I want to suggest to you this morning, if you hand over your status to God and he gives you a new name, um, will you be comfortable with that? Will you be more comfortable or will you resist the title slave once you've been CEO? How hard will that be? Now, understand that. God understands that. But he can change it. And to a second group of folks here this morning, to the least likely, and again, you know who you are. Your character means everything, but God can change that too. If you hand over your character to God and let him give you a new name, maybe like Victorious or Overcomer, instead of the names that the world gave you when you were little, when you weren't, Victorious, To both groups if you want to be used by god and if you want to partner with god you've got to give up whatever that current name is that that you most likely applied to yourself at this point you've kind of sloughed off the world's names and and you're kind of building your own name and i I don't know what it it evolves around but i think every person in this room is probably kind of at some level kind of building their name but you have to give up that name and let him give you a new name of his choosing. And again, this might not be an issue of of most and least. There are a lot of transitions going on in this room. There are a lot of people in this room who have gotten comfortable with the term child. And now that they're an adult, they're fighting it. I see it on the internet all the time. I don't want a parent today. <laughs> I, I don't like this new title. I want to be a child still. But God is calling you to be an, an adult. And there are some folks probably in this room who have gotten used to being called an adult and now you're reaching that stage in your life that people are treating you like a child again. That's got to be brutal. it has got to be painful. I, I get that. But maybe it's a step that you have to take many of you have gotten used to you got married and your title now is lover some of you are leaving that stage and you're becoming mom and dad and you're struggling you're fighting it you're fighting it big time and there are some of you who have parents and and God has blessed you and you're finding out that you're still a lover it might look a little bit different but you're transitioning and we all fight it just a little bit but these are all stages that we're all, we're all moving towards. Um, and it's going to require a name change. And I want to suggest, and I'm going to be explaining this a little bit more a little bit later, this isn't your choice. Don't make it your choice. If you make it your choice, you'll simply be substituting the name that you probably didn't choose with a name that God probably didn't choose. Let him choose it. And I don't, every one of you is going to be a little bit different, I think. And, and in this morning, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit down in a little bit here, and we're just, I, I want you to pray. I, I want you to just spend some time. We're, we're going to be some singing. Um, what name are you holding on to right now? And, and you know, you know for a fact that he's saying, I need you to let go of that name because I've got a different one now for this stage of your life. I, I need you to stop seeing yourself as this, and I really need you to start seeing yourself as, as this. If you want to partner with me, we got to drop that, and we need to arrive over here. Um, I need you to change your name, and I need you to let me do it. So I just want to pray right now. Again, I say this every Sunday. If God has called you to pray for somebody at home, a relative, a neighbor, or whatever, you need to do that. You just... just Don't hear a word I say. Do that. But then when you've lifted up that person, um, just spend some time, again, as we are going to be singing a little bit here. um, What is it that God is calling you to? What name is he asking you to drop? And what name is he asking you to pick up or accept? And those are two different decisions that are both incredibly difficult to get rid of what you're used to doing or what you love doing or what you've done so naturally all this time. And he's going to call you to do something that's going to feel unnatural. It's going to feel so uncoordinated and awkward and everyone's looking at me. He's saying, look, you got to lean into this. You got to lean into this. So if you bow your heads right now, Father, we, we know that our identity how we view ourselves um, and how we think people view us is so important. It, I mean, it's just, just, that's the reality of the situation. It's not fair to say that shouldn't matter. The fact of the matter, it it, it does. And, And so Father, this morning, whatever change you're asking people to make in their lives, in order to be the person you need them to be to fulfill your mission, um, it will take tremendous courage and it will take a battle. Father, in your word, you make that clear. And story after story, change just doesn't happen like that, but it's always a battle. And Father, as I read, it's like, you're not the one battling, we're the ones fighting. But you patiently let us swing at the air. You are so patient with us. Father, this morning, help us accept the new name that you want to give us. Help us to get rid of that name that we've built up and that we so desperately want but, but represents our kingdom. Lord, we, we want a name that represents your kingdom. So, Father, this morning, give us courage. Give us the power of your Spirit. Help us understand that we're not in this alone. Um, You want to be our Savior to save us from this thing. Father, thank you for being in this room. Thank you for loving us, giving us grace, giving us mercy, telling us the truth. Um, Lord, give us courage to accept that truth. Thank you, Father. In your son's name I pray. Amen. Well, what would you like to change about yourself this morning? I mean, you had to have been thinking about that as I was yabbering on and on. What would you like to see changed about yourself? Maybe an attitude, a habit, the way you look, a weakness. We all want to make some kind of change somewhere in our lives. So we go to seminars, we listen to tapes, we go to the church library, we, you know, we we look at all these ways, these 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 whats that can that can try to, to help us out, um, and maybe we change for a while, but it doesn't last. Why? I think there are several issues. Probably the most important was is is we look for whats, what will change us, what will help us. Um, whats usually don't do it. A who <laughs> is the one. A who. Is the one we need and then the second issue is it it involves the the who Um, we're asking the, the wrong question i think um it's not what would you like to change i think the better question is what would god like to see changed in you what name does he want to give you again if you exchange just one all right you're giving away a name that you probably didn't choose and you're going to accept the name that god probably didn't choose um so this time let's let god choose it i know it's a big challenge and my guess is, here, here's the key, um, this won't be the only time, so it's not like you can't make that decision again. My guess is everything I'm going to explain to you this morning is going to happen over and over and over and over and over again, because that's the way God works for you. He's going to, one layer at a time, he's going to work with you. He's not going to fix your whole life. You're going to go, ah! No, let's, let's tackle one thing at a time, one, one little thing at a time. In his letter to the church at Ephesus, Paul explains our dilemma. All right, this is in Ephesus chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. It's to the church at Ephesus, uh, verses 22 and 23. It says this, You were taught with regard to your former way of life. You notice what I highlighted there. Just kind of keep your head on that. To put off your, your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self now notice the difference and Paul that that wasn't by a mistake he's asking you to get rid of what you have decided to call yourself and take on the name that God created before you were even born at the beginning of the world he created he created you and he's given you the name that he wants you to have created to be like God created by God to be like God in true righteousness and holiness but here's the catch all of this sounds like it's just going to happen, right? All these old patterns of behavior, you're just going to, you know, whip off your dirty old stinky trousers and, and whip on a nice three-piece wool blend suit. And those of you who that happened like that, would you raise your hand? Now now listen, I expected maybe a couple of you to raise your hand because I know stories like this where God healed people, boom. Bam, it was done. But what I understand and what I experience as I talk to people is that's the rare exception. Um, For most of us, it's just a long drag out battle with God, right? He wants to do something and we're like, no, think of something better. Right now, it's okay to think that because that's what Christ asked his father on the night he was crucified. He said, especially read this in, in, in Mark, in, in the Gospel of Mark, it's so um, emotion-filled. I mean, literally, he cries out, Lord, I don't want to do this. If this cup can pass from me, come on, Dad, think of something better. Right? But if this is the thing that's going to work, I, I submit. I'm gonna, I will accept that name, Savior, which means i got to die for people. I'll accept that new name. But I'll tell you right now, again, it's probably going to be a knock-down, no-holds-barred fight with God. It's not going to be a simple thing. You will fight it. Maybe you're fighting it right now. You're fighting it because it goes against everything that you naturally want to do. You've gotten so used to... Dealing with your world in certain ways and he's asking you to do it in a radically different way And it's gonna be it. It'll feel so radically unnatural and it will feel wrong And you'll say to the Lord God look God I mean it feels so natural the way we're doing it here and he's gonna. No, 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 no No, I know it's natural because that's your sinful nature. I, I Want to give you a new nature. I want to give you a new self Again he clearly indicates it's gonna be a battle It's going to be a painful battle, and there will be losses. And so that's the part that we don't like. Like, we're comfortable with where we are right now. I know all of my negatives. I know all my positives, and I've learned to live with them. And God is calling you to go into a territory that's going to be all unknowns. And you're going to go, no, I don't want to go there. I want to go where I'm comfortable. Don't you want me to be comfortable, God? And he's responding, no, I want you to be holy. And that's going to take some uncomfortableness. <clears throat> so I'm going to show you that process today, and it's going to kind of be like a, a pre-op operation. How I many you guys? You, yeah, don't raise your hand. I know it's going to be a lot of you. I've I've been pre-op. I think I've had 13 pre-op operation discussions with the doctor, and it always kind of goes kind of like this. Well, Jerry, here's here's your problem. Um, here's what we're going to try to do to fix it. Here's what you're going to feel like tomorrow and the day after, and for about a week or two. But Jerry, listen to me. If you go to your therapy and you do everything right, at the very end of this whole process, you're gonna come out oh, wholer than you were before. You're, you're gonna come out a, a lot better off, but again, this whole process, it's gonna sting. I, I promise you, and I'm here to tell you, surgeries, if you've ever been to surgeries, yeah, it's kind of cool, take the drugs, like oh, 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 and then two days later, you're like, take me now, Lord, I'm ready to go. <laughs> For real. I heard some amens. I don't ever hear the amens when I talk about Jesus, but I hear the amen when I talk about pain. Okay, 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 okay. This morning, the story of Jacob and Israel, one guy with two names, right? And it's gonna be a, a wrestling match. What you're gonna witness this morning is a wrestling match, but it's really kind of a process that God uses. I mean, if you look through God's word, you see this process over and over again, and more than likely, as I explain the process, you're gonna look at your life and go, whoa, it wasn't just me. People have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. I thought God was just mad at me. He's not. He he wants to make you holy. And it's gonna feel like you don't like me anymore, God. You know how your kid ever says that to you. You don't love me, mommy. <sighs> Go to your room. <laughs> Up to this point in Jacob's life, he's been a deceiver. He's been a cheater. His name literally means deceiver. He's cheated his brother out of birthright, blessing, the whole nine yards. And he's been out of the promised land because he had to go get a wife. And now he's coming back into the promised land with his wife. And he's grown very, very wealthy, quite frankly, through a lot of a little bit of deception, a little bit of trickery. Um, He's come back in and he has to cross through Esau's land to get into the promised land. You understand what he's feeling right now he hasn't seen esau since he stole everything from esau and in fact his mom and dad said jacob you need to leave town right and that's when he got sent off go back to the homeland find a wife do something but if you hang around here your brother's gonna kill you so he sends messengers to his brother Basically, he says, I'm rich now, so don't worry, I'm not going to steal anything. <laughs> kind of what he says here, right? And the response is this, and verse 6 says, When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to see your brother Esau, and now he's coming to meet you with 400 men. <laughs> Jacob's, <sighs> bummer. <laughs> I'm sure he responded with more than that, but the Bible says, In great fear and distress... I think the Bible writers were just nicely saying what Jacob really said at that moment. I, I don't know. Um, so he divides his huge camp into two, thinking, like, you know, I'm, I'm a goner, and if I'm a goner, um, at least half of my what I've gathered, at least half of us will survive. So he, he splits them up with the idea that as Esau is attacking one group, the other group's going to run off. That's his plan, right? And then he and then he prays then he prays. And it's a great prayer. It's the first recorded prayer in the the Bible, heartfelt. But you get the feeling right away that the real battle wasn't the prayer. Right? The real battle was going to be, how would Jacob respond to God's answer? How would God respond to Jacob's prayer? And then how would Jacob respond to the way God responded to that prayer? That's where the real battle was going to be. I mean, it's very easy to get down on your knees and ask God for stuff. Yeah, I do that a lot. But the real battle comes when I know what he told me to do and that day arrives and I think, I think I'll take a nap instead (laughs) or whatever, right? The real battle is when the rubber hits the road. And again, people say, and I, I totally agree, the battle starts in the prayer room, but it doesn't end there. It ends when you get up off your knees and you go into your world and you do what God asked you to do while you were praying. He most likely didn't say, hey, just relax right there and I'll go take care of everything. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> but we would be children for the rest of our lives. So, yeah, God's pretty good. So he prays, he prays, he prays, he prays. And, and then how, does he, how, how does he feel at the end of his prayer? Well, we find out immediately. Uh, Joseph sends a ton of gifts, like in groups like about seven or eight groups of of all these cattle and all these sheep and all these goats and all, you know, chickens, and I don't know what else he sends, but just this huge amount. And he separates them so that as Esau is coming toward Jacob and Jacob is coming toward Esau, there'll be a big old giant gift. And then that gift will be on its way, and then lo and behold, another gigantic gift, and then it'll go past, and then another day, And with the same message, each one of the gifts, your brother Jacob loves you. (laughs) Please be nice to him. Uh, he used different words. Right, uh, you're going to have to read this yourself. <laughs> chapter 32. Um, and then he's, 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 it's, it's late at night and he sends his family and everything across the river and he's left alone. And that's where I want to pick up right now. This is in verse 24, chapter 32 of Genesis. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now later on in verse 28 we find out that it's actually God. God. And actually, if you read a lot of different things, there is this idea. Actually, the Hebrew word is uh, redeemer, kinsman, when he talks about this angel. We're going to get to that in just a little bit. Um, this uh, manifestation, epiphany, we've got a lot of words for it. Um, not sure what went on, but, but, but Jacob recorded what he experienced, and, and, and we have it here. Um, and again, have you ever felt like Jacob now, if you read that, he's 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 lying. It's really he's wrestling with God, literally. Um, and my guess is he didn't start wrestling with God that night. My guess is he started wrestling with God soon after he got the name Deceiver. My guess is every step along the way, God said no, and Jacob said eh. And he continued and he continued because God is faithful, right? He, Isaac even praised that. He says that you've been with me every step of the way excuse me, Jacob, says that hey, you've been with me every step of the way. And I just kind of want to ask you, what are you wrestling with this week? Maybe it's a, like an internal struggle. Maybe it's a relational struggle. Maybe you're deciding um, somebody I love is about to make a really, really poor choice. What do, I, what do I do about it? And God's leading you one way, and you're going, no, that's just going to make everybody mad. And, and I, don't, I don't know what it is. You, I, th- I think everybody in this room, they've, they've got whatever it is, and, and you lose sleep over it. Right? You didn't just think of it that night. It's been bugging you for a long time. And, and it visits you at night. And you lay awake at night. And you wonder if you're keeping your spouse awake. And this is Jacob. He's been wrestling a long time with who he is. And God has finally decided uh, we need to deal with this. The point is this. God uses a crisis as part of the price process he has to because we're so thick-headed right he's probably been telling you all whatever it is that you're wrestling with so many times and my guess is it's going to come to it's going to come to a head he wants to see you made holy and something's going to happen, more than likely. And my guess is he's not going to have to make it happen. You're going to bring it on through your own choices. This is what Jacob did. This is all Jacob's doing. This isn't God like, I want to teach Jacob a lesson, so I'm going to make Esau do this, and I'm not going to make all these other people do this. No, God gives us free choice. Jacob, This is all Jacob. This is Jacob's issue. But God is saying, literally, um, if you love me, Jacob, if you continue to listen to me, I'm going I'm to redeem this situation. I'm going to change it. I'm going to change it. If you're experiencing a crisis right now, you're losing sleep over it, don't give up. Don't give up. Watch the next verse. This is in verse 25. When the man saw that he could not overpower him. When the man saw that he could not overpower Jacob. That word overpower, it makes it sound like it's it's a real wrestling match and God quite can't get Jacob over on it. But that's really not what's going on here. When the man saw that he could not make Jacob stop harassing him. Literally, that's what's going on here. I couldn't make Jacob shut up. It's literally God saying, well, when God saw that Jacob was serious about his request, that's the picture going on. Jacob is like, you know what? I put some effort in this, man. And I, I'm, I'm going to stick with this. I'm not going to stop wrestling until I get an answer. Lord, I need an answer. And I'm not going to stop. But Jacob had one thing in his mind, and I think God had another thing in his mind. So finally, um, God answers him. And he touched, I just love the language, you got to pay attention to this, he just touched the socket on Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. This is a picture of Jacob wrestling, but God's not really wrestling. Look at the artwork, hit that next slide there. In every one of these images, I mean, you just go through all the, the, the artwork. In all of them, the angels, kind of like me and my little brother, we would box a lot. My dad gave us boxing gloves. I don't know what he was thinking. but I just pommeled that poor kid. And I would stand there like that one picture in the bottom, and Robbie would be swinging. And every once in a while, I'd go, bam. And he'd drop to the floor, right? It's like, okay, hold on, Jerry, because he was a gamer, man. Hold on, hold on, my head's spinning. And then he'd get back to the scene. Okay, all right, let's go again. Awesome, brother. I'll tell you what, more fun with him. But once he sees that Jacob is serious, God gives his answer. Not what Jacob wanted. Remember we talked that there would be losses? <laughs> not what Jacob wanted, but what Jacob needed. He cripples Jacob. Did you know? I did not know this. I thought it was this muscle. Apparently your thigh muscle is the most powerful. I, I want, <laughs> Your thigh muscle, and that's the muscle that he dislocated Literally. God is saying, Look, you're praying to me, Jacob, but you're really not. You're asking me to join your plans. (laughs) And God's saying, No, Jacob, I need you to join my plans. And in your plans, you're kind of the leader. You're leaning on your strength and you're not calling on me. You prayed to me, but then I watch what you do afterwards. (laughs) I don't think you had faith in your prayer. He's telling Jacob, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna get this name change on your own. You can't do this on your own. We have to depend on God's strength and not our own. Willpower doesn't do it. You've all been, you've all gone the willpower route, right? If, what do you end up focusing on 24-7? <laughs> the issue that you're trying not to think about and you're trying not to do, right? And it just it just fills your every waking thought. God says, look, I'm going to deal with you at the point of your greatest strength so that you know from now on you're not to walk in your own strength, but in, in my strength. All right, so what comes after the crisis? Here we go. Verse 26. Then the man said, let me go for it is ba- daybreak, the angel. Let me go for it is daybreak, God. Let me know for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. <laughs> Jacob is basically saying to God again, man, I'm, I'm in this. I need an answer, right? Because tomorrow morning, if I don't have an answer, I'm going to die. My brother is going to annihilate me. And in fact, he says, my brother will most likely go through my encampment my and kill all my women and children too. This guy's got some serious fear of his brother. This isn't just, you know, my brother's ticked off at me. Like, my brother's really, 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 really angry. Some of you... You've put a lot of time into marriages. You've put a lot of a time and effort into your these relationships, your children, and something happens, and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying, and I'm sure you're thinking, at what point do I stop? Um, this is a story not about if you pray hard enough, hard enough, then God will have to give you what you're asking. That's not what this is about. What it's about is God wondering... Are you really committed? Do you really, or is this just a passing, just a passing whim? Right? Where's the commitment? In fact, a lot of times he doesn't solve our problems right away. He waits. He's trying to find out: Do we really want it? I know I've asked for a lot of stuff, and by morning, if I don't have it, I it just I don't want it anymore. It wasn't that big a deal. And God quickly recognizes that. But there are some things, and he recognizes this, I keep going back to him, and 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 I I lay awake at night, and I stress about it. And at this point, I think God begins to, okay, I can deal with this. This isn't lukewarm. This guy is boiling. This guy, he's serious the normal reaction to most of our weaknesses and problems is we run from them. But God's saying, let's see how committed you are. I think many people miss God's best because they give up so quickly. I know my pastor, when we were trying to get a church in Fairfield, California, he had dragged me and the rest of the board out about 27 times. And every single time I looked at the property, I thought, John, say yes, this is awesome. And he would stand there and... Nope, this isn't the best what God has for us. I would be so upset. I would go home and I would tell Diane, man, he's just being stubborn. I think he's being unrealistic. Wait till you see the property that he finally got. If you got to go down to Southern California, Northern California and see this property, you would go, okay, I will pray like John from now on. Because John prayed and John prayed and John prayed and God, John got what God wanted. Gave him the best. You don't know anything about that story, so I'll just stop talking about it. Um, we're great starters, but we really don't finish well, right? Hey, I prayed all night for my weakness, right? All night. And, and well, it's morning and I'll, I'll move on, right? Where's the commitment? So we have a crisis and we, commit, we got a commitment. And again, you got to understand that the mess that you're in right now didn't happen overnight. Um, the mess you're in right now, whatever name you have right now, more than likely was the result of you making a, a many years of bad, poor decisions, right? It, it didn't just happen on one little thing. Right, You built a whole mountain out of a molehill. You did this. And now God's going to have to take that time and slowly tear that mountain back down to that little molehill that we can deal with. It's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to layer after layer. So crisis, commitment, third step. Genesis chapter 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered, confession. You're going to have a crisis You're going to have to make a commitment, and you're going to have to make a confession. Literally, he asked Jacob, what is his name? And Jacob literally says, "Um, I'm a cheater. My name is Deceiver. God was getting, getting Jacob to admit who he was. Why does he ask him his name? God knew. Same way God knew where Adam was. He didn't ask where he was. He was wanting to know, does Adam know where he was away from his heavenly father? God already knew this. It was a reminder of all the people that he had hurt. When he says, I, I'm, I'm the cheat. I'm sure through his mind, every all the people, all the situations that had gone south because of his personality, because he was always looking for a way out. So this morning... If you were named for one of your greatest character weaknesses, what would it be? Just kind of play with that for 15, 20 seconds here. Yeah, we got time. Is it temper? Hi, my name is temper. I can't keep a lid on it. (laughs) Nice to meet you. Wouldn't you love to to meet unreliable? Mr. and Mrs. Lust? Oh, nice to meet you. confessions these are confessions as people name themselves are confessions to who to yourself to god and here's what i suggest don't tell the whole world don't go on facebook and confess don't 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 do that find a trusted friend somebody you know somebody who has a right to speak back into your life be very careful Because this is a situation that could go south very quickly if you just blab and, hey, here's my issue, and pretty soon you're reading it on Facebook and you didn't post anything. That's the way it works. Admit it to yourself, admit it to God, and find somebody you know and trust that's faithful and trustworthy. The fact of the matter is God will not work on your problem until you admit you have one. And to change, we've got to make, stop making excuses, blaming other people, passing the buck. And it's humbling. It's humbling to admit that you've got weaknesses. And that's a good thing, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the what? The humble. Grace is the power to change. And we, we sang that song, and as we're singing it, I'm just like, ah, oh, yes. Grace is the power to If you want to change, then you've got to have some grace, because you're not going to be able to do it yourself. And if you want grace, you got to be humble. And how do you be humble? Admit your weaknesses. Let somebody know about them. Let yourself know about them. Stand in front of a mirror. Jacob. Last part of the process, cooperation. Verse 28, 29 says this. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and have and with humans and have overcome. Israel kind of several different words that we we bring a perseverer, a, a one who strives after God, one who doesn't quit, right? That's the name. So he went from deceiver to one who strives after God and he doesn't quit. He perseveres. The moment Jacob begins admitting what he was and he began to cooperate with God, he began to change and God gave him a new name to mark the occasion. And then in verse 29, it says, Jacob said, please tell me your name. The angel replied, why do you ask my name? So basically Jacob's asking something the angel doesn't answer him. I don't know if he doesn't want him to get a big head. Hey, you wrestled with God and you won. (laughs) Jacob, it's like, he's gonna go on Facebook. I wrestled with God and I won. I don't know what the issue was, but he doesn't get an answer. But what we see is he blessed him there. And sometimes we have to come face to face with who we are. And when we do, God says, okay, now we can get down to the business of working on your life. We can start working on those character defects that we both know, not just you, but I, God agrees with you. That's kind of what confession is, con alongside a, a, a statement. When you confess, you're basically agreeing with God, all, what he already knows. God, you know I'm a cheater, and I'm agreeing with you. Confession. You're just agreeing with God. You're not blabbing everything to the world. That's not confession. Don't get confused. Confession is simply agreeing with God who you are. Jacob makes a request, which is denied. But bottom line, God says to Jacob, I'm going to bless you. You strived. I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to remember you. I'm going to answer your prayer and Jacob's reaction says he plays he, he he called the place Peniel meaning is because I saw the face of God face to face and yet my life was spared see God knew Jacob's potential he knew that that scoundrel that cheater that beneath all of that there was there was a prince the interesting result of all this night of wrestling Remember we talked about there would be pain and loss. This is in verse 31. It says, "The sun rose above him as he, was, as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip, and he limped the rest of his life. And again, as you study Jacob's life, you recognize every time something happened, what did he would do? God's like, Nope, you're done. And since I know that you're going to pray to me that you won't run, and I know, because I've watched your whole life, that you will probably pray to me that not to run, and you will go ahead and run, so I'm just going to answer your prayer. And he just touches. It's like he's wrestling all night and the angels doing this and they finally, and Jacob is crippled. No longer will Jacob run. No longer will he rely on his strength. He's come face to face with God. One last word about Peniel and I'm I'm done here. It means the face of God. You're all going to have to face God at some point. Some of you have already faced him. You've courageously made decisions. You've named who you are. He has agreed with you. And he said, because you're honest with me, I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to change your name. And right now, there are a lot of people in this room, I can't help but thinking that you have taken on the name maybe non-victorious, non-winner, ne'er-do-well, I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I want you to experience penile. If you ever hear that word again, here's where he's going with it. Will you let God name you? Will you let God call you the name that you have really enjoyed so far? And will you allow him to give you a new name this morning? Saved. Victorious. If you've never turned your life over to Christ, right now is your chance. I want you to face God right now with every head bowed. Father, if there's anybody in this room who have ran from you, they have been relying on their own strength, and they look at their life and they're thinking, nope, things aren't going well, not working out. I I want to take a chance on this God that Pastor Jerry's talking about. So right now, I don't understand everything but father right now i want to release relinquish control of my life to you i don't want to pay for all the stupid mistakes i've made and your word says that someone's going to have to pay for them your word says that your son paid for my sins and if i let him take the punishment then I will stand before my God holy one day. So, Lord, right now, I want that in my future. The world called me this name, and I've been going down that road, but I want a new name. I want to be victorious. And I can't do this on my own. So, Father, come into my life. Be the ruler of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Do this on my own. And I'm tired of I'm tired of running. I'm tired of leaning on my own strength. So Father, give me your son. Thank you. Thank you that we have a redeemer. Because we can't redeem ourselves. Father, thank you for every person in this room who just now decided I need a redeemer. I need a new name. And from this point on, Father, this story tells me that folks who have made this decision, they're in for some battles. <laughs> they're in for some battles. But they've heard the final result and they've heard the pre-op discussion. And Lord, they, they're all in. They're all in. So Father, meet them. Meet them wherever they are. Welcome them with open arms. Thank you, Father, that this this reconciliation every Sunday morning is happening all over the world and even in this little place, Richland, Washington. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you've done here this morning. Thank you for Richland Church of the Nazarene that we get to wear your son's name. Father, help us to accept that name and to be proud of it. In his holy name we pray, amen. I want to close with a prayer from scripture. This is, we started with Israel, an old man. We went back to when he's a young man. Now we're going to go back to the day he dies. This is his prayer. He's praying over two of Joseph's sons. They're his grandsons. He's adopting these two boys. These two boys were born in Egypt. They were born of an Egyptian mom, who we understand was probably a Semite. Hyksos, people that controlled Egypt at the time were actually related to the Hebrew people. Um, But these two boys, they would never have gotten the inheritance because they weren't one of the 12. But Jacob, Israel, praised this prayer and I think this is a prayer for every person in this room. Listen to this. May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life and to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, and again, there's a lot of debate about that angel. Was it a manifestation, an epiphany of preexistent Jesus? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on there. We're just going to call it the angel. May he bless these boys. May they be called by my name. And that's huge. May they be called perseverers. Because Lord, you've seen their lives and a lot of them are going right down the toilet. Lord, give them the courage to persevere. Don't let them give up. Don't let them give up. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they increase greatly on the earth this is what happens when you let god change your name you get an inheritance that you didn't deserve but he desperately wants to give you father thank you for this day thank you for your word thank you for these these crazy stories in your word this, what happened to these people and how you responded gives us so much hope it gives us it gives us a future father thank you for giving us a new name Thank you that the world's name didn't stick, but that in your name we are victorious. Thank you, Father, for every person in the room that made that decision today to be called victorious. May they be proud to be named, to be called by his name. Thank you, Father. In your son's I pray, amen. Folks, have a wonderful week. Thank you for being here so much.